Luke 10, 38 through 42, story of two sisters, Mary and Martha. And Martha was so spun up on doing things for Jesus that she rebuked him and told him to tell Mary to help her. (laughs) Commanded Jesus to tell Mary to enter into her dysfunction. And uh, (laughs) Jesus... Didn't want to do that. He instead invited her into his rest, into his peace. Choose the good part. But he didn't say it was the only part. Ministry, you know, if if Martha had been there serving and preparing a meal or whatever all she was doing, uh, laying out napkins, I don't know exactly what she was trying to do, but, you know, if she would have been doing it with joy in her heart and just singing a song, and totally acceptable. But she's completely spun up under pressure to perform. And uh, so in all of our going, ministry needs to be done. Like I said, he, he said good part. He didn't say the only part. Does ministry need to happen? Are there people dying and going to hell who need to get connected to the vine? Yes. But what we don't need is people doing all that apart from the most necessary ingredient. And that is your intimacy and your life union with Him, your relational reality. And we sure don't need people loving the fruit that's produced more than the one who actually produces it. It'll always be about Him. It'll always be about Him. So in our going, in our ministering, always choose and remain in the good part. Amen? Ministry needs to be done, but... We need to always have Him as the preeminent one. Uh, Before I pray, I want to remind you the men's breakfast is this Saturday at 8.30 in the Fellowship Hall. So if you are male, come on out. Bring your uh, sons with you. I think we might have had a daughter or two last time. That's fine. But just bring uh, as the Lord leads you. But a men's breakfast at 8.30 this Saturday. Father, we thank you. Uh, for everything that's already been done here this morning, we are reminded that uh, you are the good part. And knowing you is everything. And we're going to talk about that this morning a little bit more. But as we grow in our knowing, as we become transformed and conform to your image, that we remember you. And then, Lord, as we work the works of God, as we partner with you to affect this world with the gospel of the kingdom of God, Uh, Lord, that we do it with you, never apart from you, for apart from you, we can do nothing. So we're reminded of what it is to be good, effective branches. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to continue sharing this morning on the centrality of Jesus. We're making him Lord of our hearts. We're allowing him to advance his kingdom within us. It is a takeover. Uh, to look more and more like Him. We're laying Him as the foundation of every aspect of our lives. And so in that, we've given ourselves to knowing Jesus. It's what Christ followers, disciples do. We, we are students and followers and learners of Jesus. And then uh, we're also studying His works. We've been on that quite a while. Um, whoops, wrong one. 
<laughs> the works of Jesus. Reintroduce God's kingdom to us. That was one of his uh, primary works. And then to, he came to destroy the works of the devil, 1 John 3, 8. He came to initiate the brand new covenant, Hebrews chapter 8. He came not to judge, but for judgment, John chapter 9, verse 39. And then he came to make disciples. He came to make disciples. And we define a disciple here as someone who abides in him. We live connected to him. He's the vine, we're the branch. He's our life source. Amen. Uh, then we walk in his ways. We get conformed to his image. All of our, all of our journey looks different. All of our backgrounds are different. I would love to ask you know, how many of you have been to Baptist churches? How many of you have been to Catholic churches? How many of you have been to Methodist churches? I grew up in a Methodist church. All of our backgrounds are different, but guess what? Our destination is all the same. <laughs> We're all, and I'm not talking about going to heaven. I mean, yeah, we'll end up in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. But our destiny, our destiny, according to Romans 8, 29, is be conformed to the image of God's Son. I don't care where you started. We're all finishing there in Him. Amen. And then we work the works of God. We want to partner with Him. Let's go back to John 17, verse 3. This is the Passion Translation. It says, this is Jesus speaking, Eternal life means to know and experience you as the only true God. Okay? Not informational, but Knowing Him, experiencing Him relationally. And to know and experience Jesus Christ as the Son, son whom you have sent. Verse 4, Jesus said, I've glorified you, Father, on the earth by faithfully doing everything you've told me to do. So my Father, restore me back to the glory that we shared when we were face to face before the universe was created. Verse 6, Father, I have manifested who you really are. And I have revealed to you, revealed you. Everybody say, revealed you. That's discipleship. Revealed you to the men and women that you gave me. They were yours and you gave them to me and they fastened your word firmly to their hearts. So this is an assignment of Jesus is to multiply his life. That the same spirit that raised him from the dead would now be seen in other sons and daughters of God. Amen. This is one of the major assignments of Jesus Christ is multiplying his life. I mentioned it earlier. It is relational. We can experience uh, Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus desires us to know Him. And then out of that, He wants to walk with us to get as many people as possible connected to Him. Who learn to live in the relational reality of our union. The relational reality, excuse me, of their union with Christ, just as we do. Okay, so if, if we want to help people get connected to know Him, we want to reveal who He is to other people, it's probably helpful that we know Him ourselves. Not just know about Him. You didn't read about Him in a book. You see, you know, George Washington, you never met Him, but you read about Him in a book. I, you need to know Jesus way more than a historical figure that you read about. You can know Him... You can experience Him internally by the power of the Holy Spirit. I mentioned it earlier, earlier Romans eight eleven, that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and begins to quicken your mortal body, to make you alive. And if the veil of the, uh, the glory of the old covenant was so great, they had to veil their faces. Moses had to veil his face. How much greater the glory of the new covenant. The very Son of God Himself lives on the inside of you. I pray that... As we grow and we mature and we get healthy in Christ, that when people see us, they can see Him. That is 
That is the goal that he has for us. So let's go to John 14, verse 16. We've been talking about the aspect of being a disciple of abiding, and we probably will get off of that today. But before we get there, Brother Don Wheeler and I were having a church in my office this week, and he took me to this passage. Look at this. I will pray to the Father, Jesus says, and he will give you another helper, capital H. How many of you know who that is? That's the Holy Spirit, one just like me. Uh, Jesus saying one just like me, a prototype. That he may abide with you till, till you mess up. No, forever. The whole reason you know you messed up and that you even care is because he lives in you. And he's not beating you up about it. He's reminding you of who you really are in Christ. And simply saying, there's no life in that. You just connected us to somebody else, to something else that there's no life in that. So let me convict you. Let me bring you back to who you really are in Christ. So he says this Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, will abide with you forever and the world cannot, what? Receive him. So how do we get him? You receive him. Because it neither sees him, because the world is carnal, they have to see him, that's their reality, nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you now. How? How is the Holy Spirit with them right in that instance? Anybody know? How's, how's he, how's the Holy Spirit present with them? He's in Christ. He's in Christ. Jesus was not only conceived as Son of God, uh, by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. That's how he was made manifest, but then the Holy Spirit descended upon him in the form of a dove in Matthew chapter 3. Okay? So the Holy Spirit is in and upon Christ, and because of that, now he's dwelling with them, but look what he says. He will be where? He'll be in you. Verse 18, then he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So I'm going to come to you, return to you in the person of the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see me no more, but you'll see me because I live, you'll live also. Verse 20, and in that day, what day? The day that I come back to you in the Holy Spirit, you'll know that what? I am in my Father, you're in me and I'm in you. In that day of the Holy Spirit, you will what? You will know. You will become a knower. You will know that I am in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. Not a doubter, a knower. The first work of the Holy Spirit. We think, oh, it's tongues, right? Oh, it's prophesying. It's dealing the devil damaging blows. No, the first work of the Holy Spirit is that you become a knower of Jesus Christ. And I don't care how many disciples we set out to make. I don't care how many people we want to go share our faith with. We have to be a knower. We have to know Him. Because as I showed you earlier, this is all about revealing Him. Father, I revealed Him to those you've given me. Amen? The first role of the Holy Spirit's work in your life is that you become a knower of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Now, not only we know from elsewhere in John that when the Holy Spirit comes in, he testifies of who? He testifies of Jesus. That's what Jesus said. That's one of the roles. He'll testify of me. Look at John 14, 21. Now, this is the next verse. And this is the amplified classic version. I love it. I, I got this 
as a young person, I think I was about 21 years old, and it helped me know I wasn't crazy because I could see Jesus in my car. I would talk to Jesus. I didn't see him physically, but I know he's there, and by the Spirit, I am seeing him and walking with him. And I thought, maybe I'm crazy. My friends in college thought I was crazy. But look at John 14, 21. Jesus continues this little dissertation. He says, the person who has my commands and keeps them is the one who really loves me. And whoever really loves me will be loved by my Father. And I too will love him. And look at this. I will show, I'll reveal, I'll manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. That's why I'm crazy. I believe he's absolutely real. That's why I'll never substitute ministry for Jesus as more important than Jesus himself. He is your prize. He is what you're seeking for. Ministry is great, but ministry instead of intimacy is idolatry. Don't put anything. Rachel said it earlier. We magnify these other things. Don't ever magnify ministry for Jesus over intimacy with Jesus. Don't, don't ever magnify doing something for Him over Him. He's the prize. He is what you're looking for. And as you, as you connect to Him, as you live in life union with Him, and you live in the relational reality of your marriage to Christ, that He's in you and you're in Him, much fruit Amen. gets produced. I didn't set out to bear a bunch of fruit. I fell in love with Jesus. And to the best of my ability, I just want to do what he asked me to do. And I'm not perfect. Oh, my goodness. I'm not perfect at it. But I'll, I love this. I'll let myself be clearly seen by him and make myself real to him. See, we prioritize our relationships based on how real they are to us. You might want to write that down. <laughs> We prioritize our relationships based on how real they are to us. Jesus said, the world doesn't know the Spirit because they can't see Him. He's not real to them. Brian and Gretchen are married. They see each other every day. They are real to each other. Who should be the priority of all our relationships? Jesus should. But is he? A lot of times he's not. No condemnation in that. The reason he's not the priority is because he's not the most real to us. And yet the purpose of the scriptures is to bring you to relationship and reality with him. The purpose and role of the Holy Spirit in your heart is to bring you into relationship and reality and your knowing of him. So there's no condemnation because the church for many years has not seen intimacy. They've not seen inward, into me is Christ, into me. They've not seen it well, so he's not the most real. You know, he's there the whole time, but we can live our whole life not knowing he's there. That's why I say that someone's behavior doesn't necessarily reveal what's true about them. It may reveal that they've believed a lie. So someone who thinks God is just off in heaven somewhere cheering or booing them or he's the big judge who's going to smite them should they fail or give their kids cancer or he's going to do this, that, or other, something mean to them if they step out of line, that's a lie. And they can live. Perception is reality. Perception is not necessarily truth. 
My goodness. Thank you, Lord. So they can live in a reality that God's far off somewhere. There's no intimacy at all. And they're trying to perform their way to heaven or to get to God. And that's most unfortunate because there's no power. He, he's the power. And there's no love. He's the love. Do you notice that through the 80s and 90s, we were doing a lot of door-to-door evangelism ministry. And then what started happening is we started seeing all these signs that said, no soliciting. <laughs> because 80% of us were going door-to-door so God would love us more. <laughs> I know I was at times. I'm trying to get stars in my own crowd. I'm just trying to get them to sign the card, say the prayer, right? And they're like, will you leave if I sign this? (laughs) How many of you know what I'm talking about? But what happens if you're so secure, so in love with Jesus, so settled, so have chosen the good part, like Mary, that you go to that person because you genuinely care what happens to them? And that I'm not trying to control the outcome, brother, but I am telling you he's the best thing I've ever found. I'm inviting you to receive him. You don't have to work for him. You don't have to earn him. How do I know this? Because if it's by merit, I wouldn't be standing here. So I'm humble. I, I acknowledge my need of God, and if he did it for me, he'll do it for you. Just receive him. And now you're free. Everybody say, now I'm free. Now you're free to genuinely minister to people because you care what happens to them. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is lording, there's freedom. Not pressure. Not bondage. Not, come on. What's wrong with you? I mean, you can have a passion for them not to go to hell. But if you convince them and you pressure them into it, well, they can be pressured right out of it. Amen. So we prioritize our relationships based on how real they are to us. Intrapersonal is closer and more real than personal. Brian has a personal relationship with Gretchen, but she doesn't live inside of him. The closer relationship he really has is Christ, but it's a journey. So he begins to learn the reality of Christ. He begins to learn uh, his union, his marriage union to Jesus. That that makes sense to you. And then the more real Christ becomes, then the more He is the priority. And before you freak out, if Christ becomes the priority in your life, yes, even more, you love Him even more than your spouse, He'll help you love your spouse better. And your spouse will be the biggest fan that you love Jesus more than them. How about this? That you don't live and die with their performance. You're living and dying by what he says about you every day. Amen. Amen. Wow. So what happens then? Well, now if our spouse does a big piece of stupid, we're actually healthy and secure in our love walk with the Lord. So we're there to help. Not, I take that so personal. Get out of my life. How dare you sin against me? I, th- I thought we were helpmates. You didn't get married so somebody else could make you happy. You, you're a, a disaster waiting to happen if you got married so they'll make you happy. Only Christ can satisfy you. Only Christ can satisfy a human being. You weren't made by your spouse for your spouse. You're made by Christ for Christ. So, so, so don't panic 
If you, if your husband comes home and he says, honey, I love Jesus more than I love you, then you need to celebrate. Because then it's like, it's like, oh, you mean he's the source of my happiness or he's the source of your happiness now, not me. Yay. Why don't people, why don't more people live in the relational reality of our union? Because we don't take time to let Jesus uh, make himself real to us. We don't understand how real he really is on the inside of us. The world won't get it. And this is the journey we're on. Somebody say amen. This is, this is the journey we're on, is really getting to know him, living in the relational reality of our union. And if you take Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God, then there's a principle there that a lot of our knowing comes out of being still. And I think a lot of us are terrible at that. <laughs> As people nudge each other. <laughs> be still and know. Be still and know that He's God. Be still and know that you're loved. Be still and know that you're accepted in the Beloved. Be still and know that all your sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. Be still and know how much He loves the lost. So much of knowing is born out of being still. What was Martha doing that Mary wasn't doing? (laughs) Busy, busy, busy. Martha was busy. Mary was still. She was knowing Him. Intrapersonal. The more real Jesus becomes to you, the more He'll be a priority in your life. That's why there's no condemnation. So this is a work, an inner work of the Holy Spirit. Now, you need to consent. And here's what you simply say. You say, uh, Lord, would you, would you show more of yourself to me? Because I want to be a knower. I want to be a knower. I want to really get to know you. I'm not a knower yet the way I want to be. And I want to know you as real. So I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to ask you, show yourself to me. You've got scripture. John 14, 21, remind him of his word. That he'll, he'll allow himself to be clearly seen by you. Lord, I want to be a knower. Just ask him. I want to be a knower. I want to get to know you. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to sit with you in scripture. Don't just read the Bible. Sit with the author. Spiritual family, Lord, give me good people around me. They'll speak truth to me. They'll encourage me and love me through my stuff. Amen, somebody. That's what we need. So I want to move from all that today to uh, ways. Here's Here's how we define a disciple at Grace Church. We are those who abide. We live in the relational reality of our union with Jesus. And then ways. Who can tell me what ways is? If we're walking in His ways, we are being like Him, conformed to His image, looking more and more like Jesus. Write this one down because I didn't put it on the screen, but it's Galatians 4.19. Paul says, I am interceding, travailing like childbirth labor for you until Christ be formed in you. So how many of you know if you continue to abide in Him, you continue to look upon Him, you continue to sit with Him, be still and know Him, you're going to start looking like Him. Amen. Amen. I love that. I want to be like Him. But 
the, the key is not imitation. It's indwelling. If you could be like him without him, he wouldn't be living inside of you right now. But man, my heart yearns to be like him. I want to be like him. Because, uh, you know, he, he's the way, the truth, the life. He's the answer. He's everything. And there's something in me that says I was created to look like him. Love, joy, peace, patience, you know, all that good stuff. So as we abide in and receive from Christ, we learn from Jesus to be like Jesus. We become like who we look at. We start doing life with Him. You know, even in a natural marriage, your oneness grows as you're married. Kyle, <laughs> Kyle, you and Nikki, how long have you been married? Twelve years. How many of you know by year, you know, 30? They're going to be finishing each other's sentences. They're going to know each other's desires and prob- probable responses to pretty much everything by then. Hopefully we know and experience our oneness in even in natural marriage more in year 30 than we do in year 3. Same with you and the Lord. You become more and more like Him and set in His ways. Set in His ways. Amen. All right, I'll get to that later. First John 2, 6. He who says he abides in Jesus ought himself to walk as Jesus walked. That's a powerful statement. Whoever's abiding in him is eventually going to look like him. That's what 1 John 2, 6 says, that we're going to be obedient sons, just like, just like Christ. If you eat the word, uh, bless you. Oh, let me, let me show you this one. I want to show you this one. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit there is, you know, produce. What's produced out of a union. If a husband and wife have a union, they're going to produce fruit. We call them children. In your union with Christ, your children are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. In other words, don't ever restrain these things. The law was given to restrain behavior. But he says, there's no law. You want to be a radical? Be radical in love. Go crazy in joy. Don't put limits on any of these. Don't restrain, church, any of these. (laughs) Right? Because we're like, hey, calm down. That's too much joy. (laughs) We don't praise like that. Too much joy. He said, there's no restraining these things. (laughs) Oh, that's good. When you eat the word fruit, it's all that's done in true partnership with Christ. Everybody say partnership. It's the result of Christ living through the believer. That's fruit, union, fruit, union, fruit. We have to live in the reality of our union or you're not going to have the fruit. You can be married in the natural, but if you never practice the reality of your oneness, please don't make me explain that, then you're not going to bear any fruit. Okay. So we live in the reality of our oneness and we produce fruit. Now, just like I don't cause my union, I don't cause my conforming to the image of Jesus (laughs) by ratcheting up the willpower, by trying harder. Branches don't try harder. Branches live connected. So I don't cause my transformation to look like Jesus, but I consent to it. 
I partner with Him. I sit with Him. I practice and choose the relational reality of our union. And because I'm living in that relational oneness, then I begin to bear much fruit. Because fruit is anything born out of my life union with Him. Two life streams that have come together to bear fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is part of it. Obedience is part of it. Uh, Good works even is part of it. And I'll show you that here in a little bit. But it begins to be revealed in our attitudes and our actions on a daily basis that we've been connected to Jesus. He's our source for how we treat people. He's our source for our attitude and our behavior, not somebody else. That's why if your spouse comes home and says, I I love, baby, I love Jesus more than I love you, you celebrate because that means he's the source and supply of their attitude and behavior every day, not you. And that shouldn't cause you to want to do a lot of cruel things to them. (laughs) If it does, you need to get saved. John 13, 34. A new commandment I give to you. I want you to love each other, Jesus said. How? Just like I love you. He is putting himself... I know we're still in the old covenant because he hasn't died yet. But he is giving you a foreshadowing that he's going to be source. Love each other like I love you. I love this because the former command was love your neighbor as you love yourself. But some of you don't love yourselves, and that's your excuse to not love anybody else. So he took you out of it. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And said, love people like I love you. But here's the beauty of it. He's going to move inside of you, and he's going to love through you. And some of your best days were, Father, I struggle loving that person. And he's like, I'm so glad you see that. Let me love them through you. Because I died for them, and I didn't think twice about it. Let him love you into loving. Verse 35, by this, everybody will know that you're my what? My disciples. If you love one another just like I love you. I mean, if we really get radical and start living this out, people are going to think we've been with Jesus. (laughs) Religion is cruel. Why are young people leaving, quote, Christianity and all world religions in droves? Because it's cruel. Judgment, it's harsh, it's negative, it's uh, divisive. Jesus, though, is the real deal. A relationship with Jesus is far different than religion. Religion is bondage. Look at Acts 4.13. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, yet they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Yeah. Grace Church right there. And they knew they had been with Jesus. And the beauty of abiding and the beauty of discipleship is that we're not just with Jesus on Sunday for an hour and a half. We've learned that, hey, he's in me. I'm a knower now. I know him. He's the most real relationship I have, and I'm abiding in him every day. And because I'm abiding in him, and I'm sitting with him in Scripture, and he's teaching me, he's forming himself, Christ is being formed in me, and now I'm partnering with him to help other people from a good and contrite heart. I'm not trying to score points. I genuinely care what happens to him. Uh, As I'm doing all those things, I start looking like him. 
People say, wow, he's been with Jesus. Wouldn't you rather be seen as someone who's been with Jesus than just a church member? I long for the day that when we run into somebody from the grocery store, we find out, oh, you're a Christian, me too. Instead of, hey, what church do you go to? It's, what do you think about Jesus? Because I tell you, he's everything. (laughs) He's everything to me. I want that to happen where he's the center. Christianity is Christ. He is the prize. He is, he is what you're searching for. I'm reminded of Matthew 5, 44 through 48. Jesus said, love your enemies. Do good uh, to those who hurt you. Bless those who persecute you. And when you do, you'll prove to be sons of your Father in heaven. What's he saying there? You'll prove that your source for how you treat people is him, not them. And, and you're living this abiding life. I'm, I'm connected to the vine of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs> As disciples of Jesus, you desire every day to be transformed, to look just like Him, to walk in His ways. Listen to this. You're truly engaged in all your personal veils coming down so you can actually see and reflect the glory of the Lord. You're not indifferent about your flesh patterns because you understand the love of God. People who say God doesn't care about our struggles or our sin habits or our bad habits or whatever, they don't understand the love of God. Sin is deadly. Sin's terrible for you. You're not made in the image of sin. You're made in the image of God who's quite righteous. So whatever looks good on Him looks good on you. So if you say, well, it doesn't matter what you do, you don't, you don't understand the love of God. It does matter. Because everything Jesus taught, every attitude he modeled is life-giving and healthy for human beings. And we want you, here at Grace Church, we want you to be healthy. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be equipped. We want you to be mature Christ followers, lovers of Jesus, who out of that advance God's kingdom in the earth. Amen? healthy, equipped, mature. We're not using you as cannon fodder. Now get out there and make us a great church. It's nowhere in the Bible. Get connected to the vine. Get healthy. Everything about Him is healthy for you. Unconditional love is healthy for you. Can I get a witness? Forgiveness is healthy for human beings. Unforgiveness is deadly. Bitterness. Hebrews 12, 15. The root of bitterness by which many have become healthy? No, defiled. Yeah. Defiled. It's destructive. So get connected to the vine. We want you to be healthy. We want you to be equipped. We want you to be mature in Christ. Which is just Christ-like. I think that's the highest level of maturity is what we see in Matthew 5, verse 44 through 48 because he ends that dissertation about love your enemies, do good to people that hurt you, bless those who curse you. What does he end it with? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The word is mature. We think maturity is what? Signs and wonders? How many great things we can do? That's not maturity. Maturity is Christ-likeness. And so in all you're doing, let him form himself in you because that's your goal. All of us are predestined to be conformed to the image of God's Son. And as we are, we're healthy. Amen. And we're equipped because he's in us. You don't lack for anything because he's in you. The supply, the vine is in you. 
Well, that's powerful. You don't lack for anything. Because the vine, the supply, is in you. And then mature. You're Christ, Christ-like. You guys have heard me talk about Psalm 133 before, you know, headship, leadership, fellowship. The anointing begins on the head, flows to the beard of Aaron, then to the garment. I find it interesting that in Matthew 12, the woman with the issue of blood said, if I could but touch the hem of his garment, not headship, if I could touch an ordained preacher, boy, that would really heal me. She didn't didn't say that. Maybe a staff person on, at church, the, the beard. If I, could, if I could touch somebody who's full-time in ministry, I'd be healed. And then the garment. The garment is the saints. H-E-M. Healthy, equipped, mature. If I could just touch a healthy, equipped, and mature saint from Grace Church then I'd be made whole. Church health is way more important to us than church growth. Did you hear what I said? Church health precedes any church growth. Growth is built into the body. Health is a choice. So just like in your own body, you choose health. Okay, growth is kind of built in. You're still not one foot foot tall. You're going to grow. We can, we can grow as a byproduct of good health. We want to eat well. We want to uh, exercise. We want to do those things. This is principle. So we desire to have all our veils come down so we can see and reflect the Lord. And as a result of abiding and sitting with the Lord in Scripture, as a result of having good spiritual family, get good people around you. I'm so proud of Gladys. Gladys and those ladies, you guys have been together for so long, stirring one another to love and good deeds. Get spiritual family around you and then obey what the Lord tells you to do. And as you do that, there's consistent, long-lasting conforming to the image of Jesus. Transformation becomes evident in our lives, just like you can tell when a caterpillar is now a butterfly. There's evidence of the transformation. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. This is the Passion Translation. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? How about this? We surrender yourselves to God to be a sacred living sacrifices and live in holiness, experiencing all that delights His heart, for this becomes your genuine expression of worship. Verse 2. Stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed. Everybody say inwardly. Be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. Become a knower. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in His eyes. 2 Corinthians 3, 17, 18, Passion Translation. Now the Lord I'm referring to is the Holy Spirit. And wherever He is Lord, there's freedom. Not bondage, freedom. We can all draw draw close to Him with the veil removed from our faces. Part of our transformation being conformed to the image of Jesus is, Lord, I want these veils to come down. We kind of prayed into Him earlier where I've hardened my heart, where I'm protecting myself. I'm not letting you in. Lord, I want all these to come down. By Your power, by Your Word, by Your Spirit, and by good spiritual family. People who fight for my freedom. People in the trenches with me. 
Because despite our best intentions, if you're the lone ranger trying to walk this transformation thing out, yeah, you, you got to have good people around you that encourage you. So we can all draw close, the veil removed from our faces, and with no veil, look what happens. We all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. Lord, take all my veils. Ah, take them all, please. Okay. Felt like you said, well, give them to me. (laughs) Okay. I'll give them to you, Lord. All my veils. (laughs) He is a gentleman, isn't he? (laughs) We are being transfigured into his very image. What's our destiny? To look like him. As we move from one level of glory to another, and this glorious transfiguration comes from who? The Lord, who is the the inner reality, relational reality of your union, the work of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you is how we get changed. It's not through you dying, trying, and pulling up your bootstraps to try super hard. All you need to do is consent. Just like you consented to be born again, start consenting to receive from the vine on a regular basis and consent to His uh, conforming you to His image. We behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord. When's the last time you looked in the mirror and saw the glory of God? Well, it's been a long time. Then stop knowing yourself after the flesh. And know yourself by your inner man. Well, I just got to die to myself. No, you don't. Yourself's already dead. You died when Christ died. You reckon yourself. You reckon yourself to being dead. But if you're dying to yourself every day, you're still knowing yourself by the old nature. If yourself needs to die, you don't see it as brand new. So put on the new man. Look in the mirror and see the new man. He doesn't need to die. That's the true you. That's who you really are. Oh, hallelujah. So, yes, do I need to surrender myself? Yes. Do I need to consent to self being under redemption? Yes. But I don't need to put him to death. I need to put on the new man and see who I really am. In Christ. Bruce Barteau, who used to be an elder here, had said, uh, back to Romans 12, he said, God answers your prayers based on one criteria. Does it conform you to the image of His Son? <laughs> That'll get you out of controlling all the results, won't it? So as a result of living in our relational, the relational reality of our union with Christ... And walking with others, we learn to ask ourselves and people who are walking with us, what's the Lord speaking to me and what am I going to do about it? This brings forth transformation. We don't want to be just hearers of the word. Amen? We want to have doers, so get good people around us to encourage us to continue to looking at His face with ours unveiled. He has unveiled your face, church. He's unveiled your face. Look at Him. Get to know Him. Let Him be the most real relationship that you have. He uh, let him transform you into a knower. That is the first work of the Holy Spirit. All of our discovery groups, I encourage you to get involved in discovery groups. Wherever you can begin to find spiritual family, we say, what is Jesus saying to you personally through these passages? 
How, uh, what are you going to do about what Jesus is showing you? Number three, how can you disciple people into the truth that he's laid out for you? Those are great. John 15. Oh, did I read this one yet? Okay, Romans 8, 28, New Living Translation. We know that God causes all things to work together for the good of those who love him and called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become what? Like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. This is, I mean, what do you call it when the fix is in? This game is rigged. He put his son in you so you could be like him. But you need to consent. You need to participate with his life. Verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. Look at that. I'm chosen. I'm called. I'm coming to Jesus. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. Now I'm righteous. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. I know the glory of the Lord. I'm filled with the glory of the Lord. Verse 31, what shall we say then? If God is for us, who can be against us? (laughs) This game is rigged. Start participating. <laughs> John 15, verse 8. By this my Father's glorify that you bear much fruit, and you'll be my, you'll, so you'll be my disciples, because there'll be fruit coming out of your life. You'll look like me. You'll also partner with me. As the Father loved me, I've loved you, so abide in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll abide in my love, as I kept my Father's commands and abide in His love. Obedience does not create and cause intimacy with the Lord. He gave you that, but it does protect it. It protects it. Because when you go out and give yourself to sin, how many of you ever hear the voice of the accuser? How many of you get these other voices in your head? So you're not choosing righteousness in Christ so that you can have intimacy with Him. You already have that. You choose righteousness and right actions through Christ to protect and continue to abide in His love. It keeps you connected. keeps you... And let me say this again. Your spirit is always connected. I told you this last week. His spirit is in union with your spirit. But your soulish man, where your emotions are, your thought life, yeah, your will. Okay, that's where we, that's where we choose to keep His commands so we can continue in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy would be full. This is my command that you love each other just like I love you. That sounds familiar, right? Source. Greater love has no one than this and lay down his life for his friends. Uh, I don't see the next one. Does anybody have it memorized? Come on, somebody storied this thing. Where did I leave off? Okay, 13, 14 says, Oh, greater love has no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I ask. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants. A servant doesn't know what his master is doing. I call you friends for all things the fathers told me. I'm telling you. Verse 16, sounds like relationship. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and your fruit would remain that whatever you ask the Father in my stead, in oneness with me, he may give you. So fruit that remains, John fifteen eight, John fifteen, sixteen. I ate that passage. Listen to what it includes the propagation of the gospel in the lives of others. 
So it's not just the fruit of the Spirit. It's also the propagation, the furtherance of the gospel in the lives of other people. It becomes a byproduct. Why? Because we know Him. So we can adequately disclose and reveal Him to others. We can't make them choose, right? Don't try to control the outcome. But help get them connected to the vine to hear and obey His voice. Okay, Gavin, you guys can come. I want to conclude here this morning with sharing with you why I am being discipled. I am being discipled by Michael Ferris over at Hera Church. Every Tuesday night, of course, we're on break right now, or rest as they call it. Michael's kind of the associate pastor at Hera Church. But I want to share with you why this is important for me to learn, the things the Lord asked me to do. Number one, I am walking with Michael for my own healing, for my own transformation and freedom. The last three years have been very challenging for me. Had a lot of ups and downs with staff and different things uh, here at the church. And there became such a... What's the word I'm looking for? There became such a mantra of stay away from one-man ministry models. The senior pastor who does it all, who controls everything, is in charge of everything, is very unhealthy. Can I get a witness? It is. It's true. But what happened to me is I began to pull back from doing anything in the sense of this, of, of uh, not anything. But I would pull back from really sharing my opinions. That if I felt strongly about something, I so feared that people would think, oh, he, he's abusing his power. This is a one-man show right here. I just retreated. And the Lord, he said, Steve, you have abdicated areas of leadership for what you thought was peace because I like peace I like everybody to get along I don't like drama don't like it but he said you abdicated and traded what you thought was peace and it was really false peace it was no peace at all it was actually torment and so I had stuffed some things and I felt it was important Michael's a good friend of mine he's been a good friend of mine for quite over a year and so I just started walking with him a few months ago but it's for my own healing. He's outside the body, somebody good I can visit with, good accountability brother. He was that even before. But that was the first reason. Because I want to be healed. I want to be transformed. And like I said, despite our best intentions, <laughs> us and Jesus, it's good to have other people who are speaking into your life. And then number two, I felt like the Lord said, I want to get you equipped to better know the value of close-knit relationships and actual spiritual support. So it kind of goes with what I was saying there about accountability. Uh, Roger and I were talking about this just this weekend, that it, it's, Jesus and us is not enough. We really do need each other. We need Christ lovers who will speak truth to us. Amen. Not just there, there, but speak truth to us. And then number three, the Lord asked me to better learn our strategy here at Grace Church to reproduce His life. Because I feel like that discipleship is a missing piece of the puzzle. 
But what we're going to do is make sure it comes out of abiding. It comes out of intimacy. We have sang this song for 20 years, guys. He is the prize. Don't ever put something you'll do with him or for him over him. But it is a missing piece of the puzzle for us. And I wanted to learn better our strategy of of being able to train others how to walk with Jesus. Now listen to this. This is right from my open, honest, and vulnerable heart right here. I began to get convicted that I had inspired and influenced people to be admirers of Christ, but I had not walked closely with certain men to model for them, show them this is what living in the relational reality of Christ looks like. So see, on Sunday I can talk a lot about it, and rightfully so. But then there's this place where you get with three, four, five, six. Monday night was ten guys. <laughs> Had a group of guys I loved dearly from Monday nights when we were walking together. But uh, I want to show them how. I want to model and then learn from them too. What does a relationship with Christ on a daily basis look like? I don't want to just talk about it. I want to model it. Does that make sense? So I wanted to better learn how we can, we can help train people, help people become healthy, equipped, and mature in Him. And so that goes with just modeling for other men what it looks like. I don't want to just preach, know Him, show Him, and sow Him. There's a place where we can walk closely with other people and model for each other what it really looks like. Life on life, daily basis, with real life examples. Okay, so Kyle and I are walking together. He can come in with a real life example. Nikki threw a a pan at me tonight. <laughs> she said it's not true. <laughs> and then we we fight for their freedom. We're in the trenches together. I get to tell him, Kyle, Jesus is the right thing to do in every situation. <laughs> Not about Nikki, Kyle. What's he doing in you? Do you agree with that? We always want to look at the other person, but ultimately ask the Lord, what are you you doing in me here? What can I learn? But think about that. Jesus is the right thing to do in every situation. Well, she threw a pan at me. Jesus is the right thing to do in every situation. Well, my boss cussed me out. Jesus is the right thing to do in every situation. They cut me off in traffic. Where's Kelly? <laughs> Kelly's one of the guys that I've walked with on Monday night. Traffic was one of his areas. The flesh liked to manifest. <laughs> but Jesus is the right thing to do in traffic. So I just wanted to share with you why I'm learning this too. I think our connection to the Lord, we major a lot on that. I think sharing him with us. You know, when people see us, they see him. We talk a lot about that, being conformed to his image. But there is something I'm learning about the value of walking closely with men, life on life, to sharpen each other, become healthy, equipped, and mature. Does that that make sense? And uh, there's something else I was going to say. Go ahead and stand with me. See if it comes to me. Oh, yeah. When we first started Grace Church, 1998, 
11 adults and two kids in Stacy and my living room out in Harrow, Oklahoma. We were doing discipleship in that way. We were walking in a close-knit bunch. But how many of you know, over 21 years, it's grown. So it's just the Lord bringing us back to the value of me, bringing me back to the value of life-on-life connection, fighting in the trenches for each other, loving each other well. Amen? Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning, you've never got connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. I want to invite you this morning to invite him in. And when he comes in by the Spirit, when he comes to you, he will abide with you forever. And he'll begin to conform you to his likeness. He'll begin to make you a knower. And he'll begin to enlist you in partnership throughout the world. So if that's you, you say, Brother Steve, I am not born again. But I want to receive Christ. Will you slip your hand up? Anyone here? I want to know Him. How many here this morning would say, Brother Steve, I'm a believer, but I want to be a knower. I want to know Him. I want this work of the Spirit to reveal Jesus to me. Will you slip your hand up so I can pray for you? Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, hands all over this room. Lord, we give you permission. We consent. Would you make us knowers? We want to participate with the very first work of the Holy Spirit's new birth, and that is to enter us and then make us knowers of Christ. And when we are knowers of Christ walking with you, we become very dangerous to the enemy. Then, Lord, we can help reveal you to those around us. Lord, I bless each one that that's their heart today. And I decree and declare, I prophesy over you, let he who begins this good work in you, he will be faithful to complete it in you and through you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give him praise and magnify him. Amen. If you need prayer, stick around. Otherwise, you are dismissed. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.com.